Hello, this is Twisted Travel and True Crime. Welcome aboard. I do podcast from a boat, so you might hear some little boat noises in the background. I have a great case to share with you today. It's about a con artist who has earned the nickname the Tinder Swindler. I'm going to post several pictures on Facebook and Instagram that are relevant to this case if you'd like to see them. I will have links for those in the show description. Okay, let's get started. In January of 2018, Cecily Fjellhoy was relaxing in her London apartment. She was taking a little break from preparing her master's statement. While relaxing, she was perusing possible dates on the popular dating app Tinder. As she scrolled through the app, she came across a profile for a man named Simon Levayev. He was 30 years old, with dark hair, which contrasted with Cecily's blonde hair and fair skin. She thought he was very good-looking, and she was intriguing to her because he lived a very different lifestyle to the one she was used to in London. He had posted pictures of himself in fancy restaurants, expensive cars, and even in private jets. She swiped right, and the app matched them up as a couple. She was friendly, outgoing, and confident, so she decided she would make the first move. She wrote him a quick message saying, It looks like you're not often in London. Then she began studying his profile a little bit more. It was linked to his Instagram account, and there she found so much more about him. After doing some detective work, she felt she had a good sense about who he was. She'd studied his friends and found his name tagged and intertwined among many of them. He seemed legitimate. No catfishing here. While she was researching him, he replied to her question, saying, No, I'm not in London for long, but would you like to get together for coffee in the morning? Cecily wasn't shy and said sure, so the next morning she goes to meet Simon in the lobby of the Park Lane Hilton where he was staying. He looked just like he did in the photos, successful, friendly, and well-dressed. One of her first impressions was that he had an air of being a leader. As they sat down to engage in small talk, she asked him what he was doing in town. He explained that he was in London for work, and that he was the son of Lev Leviev. Lev is an Israeli billionaire who is known as the King of Diamonds for his heavy investments in the diamond market. Simon joked, saying that if he is the King of Diamonds, I guess that makes me the Prince of Diamonds. Cecily had done her homework and had read several articles the night before about who she believed was his family. Much of what Simon said matched up with what she had read. Then he mentioned that he had a daughter and that his daughter was visiting him at the hotel that weekend. Cecily was surprised to hear this, as that was something she'd never heard before in a first date. He then went on to show her several flashy pictures of himself and a photo of his daughter. When she asked him about why he was sharing the photos and stories with her, he told her in a very straightforward manner that this was his life and if she didn't like it, then they couldn't date. Cecily figured Simon was the kind of person who didn't play games, so she admired his straightforward manner. She found him to be very fascinating and felt their date was going well. She felt comfortable in his presence and the conversation came easily. Simon casually mentioned that he and his friends were going to Bulgaria that day, and he wondered if she wanted to come with them. Cecily was shocked that he would suggest something like that so quickly, but at the same time she was intrigued. She made an excuse saying that she needed to work on her master's, so she should stay home. 
but he countered, telling her that she could work on it while they were on the plane. He encouraged her to come, saying they wouldn't be alone if that's what she was worried about. Several of his co-workers, his daughter, and his ex-girlfriend would all be on the plane. When they finished their coffee, Simon took her to meet his friends. Among them, Simon had a large male bodyguard who was a friend from childhood. He explained to her that he occasionally got death threats from his business dealings, so it's smart for him to have extra security. He also had a personal assistant who was a young Dutch woman, and of course there was his ex-girlfriend and his daughter. Simon and his ex were friendly with each other, which reassured Cecily. All of these new friends were going to be on the plane, too. Cecily decided it would be better for her to regret something she did than something she didn't do, so she agreed to travel with him that day. Just the idea of traveling in a private jet was intriguing. It might be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. She didn't have school the next day, so why not live a little? Besides, Simon was charming and ambitious, and she sensed that he liked her, too. She pushed caution aside and agreed to go. With this, Simon arranged for one of his drivers to take Cecily home so she could pick up her passport and anything else she might need for the day. She packed her things and then met Simon and his team at a restaurant for lunch. The entire group drove back to the hotel together, packed up their items into three separate cars, and then made their way to the airport. Cecily, Simon, and one of his childhood friends, as well as his daughter and her mother, all prepared to board the plane. It was chaotic, but Simon kept Cecily at his side. There were some last-minute complications because Cecily and Simon's daughter weren't on the original passenger manifest. While fixing a few minor issues, Simon asked Cecily to hold his and his daughter's passport, which she surreptitiously glanced through. Simon seemed to be constantly organizing things, so often Cecily would be left alone, during which time she would chat with some of the other team members, who all talked about what a great guy Simon was. When they finally boarded the plane, Cecily was impressed. It was beautiful, and it felt so freeing to her. The passengers could move around as they pleased, which was surprising to Cecily, who, like most of us, have only flown commercial airlines. She was seated next to Simon as they flew, and watched as his daughter ran up and down the aisles of the plane, speaking Cyrillic with the other passengers. Cecily might have felt left out because she didn't speak the language, but Simon didn't allow that to happen. She felt that she was the center of his attention and affection. He spoke directly to her for the majority of the flight, and every now and then would touch her thigh, making her feel almost as if they were already a couple. She really liked this man. Once they were in Bulgaria, Cecily mostly felt overwhelmed. There were people around him all the time, and she felt like all she wanted was peace and quiet and a chance to get to know Simon better. He happily made arrangements that she would stay with him in his room that evening, which suited her just fine. It had been a long day, but by the time they reached the room, it was 11 p.m. The next morning, there was talk of going to Vienna, but Simon bought Cecily a ticket home with the promise to keep in touch. Once home, Cecily reflected on the trip, and just the thought of Simon put a smile on her face. Yes, to some, it may have seemed like a reckless move, but she felt safe and cared for the entire time. In reality, it wasn't a great first date. It was hectic and chaotic, but Simon himself was funny, relaxed, and amazing. 
She told him that she wanted him to come visit her so she could make him dinner and have a nice quiet time to get to know him better. She couldn't wait to hear from him again. He called her that night. Although he was extremely busy with his work, he made time for her, and one week later Simon flew back to England with his team. He planned to stay an extra day just to see Cecily. They met at the same hotel and sat at the bar. Once again they weren't alone. Simon's business partner was there, too. Simon had rented a Ferrari, and it only sat two people, so Cecily looked forward to being alone with him in the car. They had a wonderful day, and that night Simon invited her to stay the night with him. She went home to pick up her overnight things while Simon went shopping. They met up later for dinner at the members-only club. Finally, after another large dinner with his co-workers, where discussions ranged from how to cut diamonds to learning more about the dangers of the diamond business and the world Simon moved in, it was finally time to retire to the hotel. After a happy night together, Simon began to call her every day, leaving her messages about how he missed her and couldn't wait to see her again. They spoke several times a day, which flattered her because he was so busy, but he would always take her calls. Within weeks, he began calling her his girlfriend and then his future wife. They met as often as they could, and over the next couple of months, Simon spoiled her. This billionaire playboy was in love. He showered her with gifts and trips. He would text her every morning to wish her a good morning and to have a great day. He messaged her every night, letting her know that he was thinking of her. He told her he loved her and that she was the one. He insisted on giving her money to attend an educational event she wanted to go to in the U.S. because her work couldn't or wouldn't finance the event. He told her that it was the two of them against the world. She was falling in love. Cecily was sent to Oslo to attend a work event. She told Simon this, and while she was there, she received a message that he had flown in on his personal jet just to visit her. He missed her and wanted to see her, and even though he didn't have much time, he wanted to spend the morning with her, which he did. Cecily felt euphoric that he would put that amount of time and money into seeing her. Another time he was going to visit her, but at the last minute he couldn't come because his job got in the way. To apologize, he sent her a hundred roses and chocolates. He wished her a wonderful day and expressed his regret about not being able to celebrate with her in person. Her love grew deeper. On Valentine's Day, Simon flew in to spend the day with Cecily. They hung out, not doing anything fancy, just enjoying each other's company. Simon got a phone call, which he seemed worried about. When she asked about it, he told her, not for the first time, that sometimes in his line of work he was in danger, and that this was one of those times. Someone had threatened his life, and he hated to ask, but could she help him? His team had called, telling him that he needed to hide his location for a short period of time. This meant he couldn't use any of his credit cards, because his enemies would know where he was. He wanted to know if she could help him for a couple of weeks. She asked him why his team couldn't help, and he told her that his enemies would know who his team was and would be able to track them as well. Of course, she wanted to help him, so she asked him what he wanted from her. He said he needed access to her credit card, but more than that, he needed her to get a credit card that could handle the expenses he incurred. 
It would be best if it was a card with a really high limit because, of course, he had very high expenses. To make this easier for her to do, he would add her to his business as an employee, which would allow her to get a higher credit limit. So he makes a few phone calls, which she overhears, telling his staff to add her to the payroll. In a short time, she has proof of employment and a salary of over $200,000, which allows her to take out a new credit card. She adds him as an authorized user, and voila, he is safe, happy, and thanks her for helping. Funding the Jet Set lifestyle for Simon and his team added up fast, and in just 54 days, the handsome Israeli racked up over $200,000 on Cecily's new American Express card. It was used on private jets, luxury hotels, Louis Vuitton in Barcelona, and Ritz-Carlton's in Berlin. Simon reassured her that he would repay her, and she had no doubts. Her rationale was that if he could afford to pay to take a private jet to Oslo just to spend an hour with her, it'd be logical that he could pay back any money she lent him. Soon the Amex was maxed out. Simon spoke with Cecily often about the inherent dangers in being involved in the diamond industry. Because of these continued threats, he couldn't visit her as often as he wanted to. He apologized all the time. Then Cecily got a shocking message. Simon sent her photos of himself and his bodyguard in the hospital. He told her that they'd been attacked. He sent her photos of a bleeding head wound on his hulking bodyguard. Simon had blood on his face and on his shirt. He sent her selfies from inside an ambulance. She was panicked and sick with worry, but he reassured her that he was okay. Later, he would send a photo of his bodyguard being cared for by a nurse. He needed to stay incognito for a couple weeks longer, but he needed access to more money. Could she please help him? Cecily opened ten more lines of credit so she could help her boyfriend. She took a loan to pay down her credit cards when the payment was due each month. The money wasn't coming in quickly enough. She begged Simon to pay her back as soon as he could. He reassured her that he only needs to use it for a little longer, and once the danger is past, he'll repay her in full, and come visit her because he misses her so much. Finally, a couple weeks later, he leaves her this message. My angel, my love, I just talked to the bank, and they told me that the transfer for Amex will be there on Monday, 1,000%. He also sent her a picture of a statement from TD Bank, attesting to the bank transfer in the amount of $500,000 to her account. But the money never came. After three months, Cecily was getting so nervous. The conversation she had with Simon had changed. Now they were primarily centered around the money and not their relationship. Feelings of uneasiness were growing. She planned a family gathering and invited Simon to come and meet her friends and family. He promised he would be there and even spoke to Cecily's mother telling her that he was looking forward to meeting her. When the day came, Cecily got a text at the last minute telling her that Simon couldn't come. He had just lost a $70 million diamond deal. Would she please forgive him? After the party ended, she called him, telling him that she felt stupid in front of her family. She had told them all about him, and he had been so excited to meet him. She was sorry he couldn't come. Simon apologized again, but in the next breath, he asked her for more money. It was then that Cecily finally realized she was being scammed. 
She said the feeling was such a shock. She felt like she was going to throw up. Her body was physically reacting to the realization that her life had been ruined and that everything was crashing down around her. She was heartbroken first and foremost. Secondly, he wasn't who he said he was at all. Everything he told her was a lie. She had been manipulated by him, and he had planned it all perfectly. It's estimated that at any given time, there are up to 90,000 missing persons, and that's just in the United States. Imagine if your loved one went missing. Is there anything that you wouldn't do to try and find them? This is Missing Persons, and I'm your co-host, Mike Morford. In every episode of Missing Persons, you'll hear about a person who disappeared and currently remains missing, as well as the efforts to find them. In some cases, there are clues to follow and leads to check on. In other cases, it's as if the person just vanished off the face of the earth. In each episode, you'll hear from someone that's desperately searching for that missing person. And whether they've been looking for 30 days or 30 years, the struggle to find answers is real. Will you join us and become part of the search for answers in these cases? If so, search for and subscribe to Missing Persons wherever you listen to podcasts. There are dozens of episodes available to binge on right now. And new episodes come out every other Saturday. When she overcame her shock, she called the credit card company to cancel the card. She blocked Simon's calls and messages on her phone, but he was still able to reach out to her through Facebook. He left her scathing messages, questioning her as to why she canceled the card. Did she care about him at all? Then came threats over texts and through Facebook. Threats against her life. She had to do something, so she reached out to the police, who at first blew her off. But she told them the story from start to finish. Eventually, she got through to them. The police began an investigation, and what they found was that Simon Leviev was a pseudonym. His real name was Shimon Hayut, and he had previous fraud convictions. He had been convicted in 2015 for major fraud against three Finnish women, and even spent time in jail. When Simon found out that Cecily had reported him, he called her, telling her that she needed to watch out because every action she took, he would have a reaction. Cecily was scared, confused, and depressed. She had loved and trusted this man who took her love and money with no remorse. He had been brilliant in his execution. She now knew that his bodyguard and his female personal assistant were in on the scam. Simon's daughter had been used to make Cecily feel more comfortable and trusting. Even the passports he had her hold at the airport were faked. He couldn't use them to fly. He had to fly under his real name. They were a tool used to fool her into believing his story. The photographed injuries to Simon and his bodyguard? Also fakes. Now Cecily had to deal with her money situation. According to the banks and credit card company, She was responsible for paying back all the money, which now reached over 240,000 U.S. dollars. Cecily spiraled into a deep depression and even had to be hospitalized for a short time. At first, Cecily was looked at by police and the credit card company as a possible suspect. They thought she was trying to commit credit card fraud. She spent months working with police, and when things weren't moving forward, she eventually went to the press. When she went to the media, a company called VG decided to start working on an expose. Meanwhile, Simon was still working and excelling at his real job, which was as a con artist. 
He had taken Cecily's money and used it to con other women. It was like a Ponzi scheme. He had a second girlfriend in another country and had used Cecily's money to take many women out on expensive dates. He spent all day, every day, charming women with the intent to steal from them. He would get to know them well enough to decide whether they would make a good target or not. When he found one, he moved quickly. In fact, while dating and wooing Cecily, he already had another victim on his line. She was from Sweden, and her name was Pernilla Sjöholm. They too had met on Tinder, and Simon had used the same modus operandi. And that's how he learned his nickname, the Tinder Swindler. He splurged on her, and then eventually asked her for money. The only difference is that it was eight months after he met her that he asked her to borrow money for the first time. Then he swindled her out of 45000 USD. The media company VG found her through Cecily's and Simon's credit card usage. Simon had bought Pernilla a plane ticket with Cecily's money. When the VG speaks with Pernilla and she finds out, she's shocked and angry to find out that Simon had swindled other women too. She doesn't confront Simon right away. Instead, she agrees to meet him in Munich and then informs VG about the meeting. Before meeting Simon, Pernilla asks him for a guarantee that she would get her money back. He told her that instead he would give her a very valuable watch. VG's investigators had placed people around the restaurant where the couple planned to meet. They took photos and video of the meeting. Although Pernilla looked calm and collected on the outside, she was nervous and scared internally. She said it was hard for her to laugh and smile with him while she knew that every word that came out of his mouth was a lie. When she drove with him in his rented Maserati, she wondered who was paying for it. The watch that Simon gave Pernilla was taken back to Stockholm where a watchmaker confirmed that it was as fake as Simon was. A few days later, Pernilla makes a phone call to confront Simon while the investigators videotaped her. She asked him to tell her the truth and then told him that she knew about his jail time in Finland. He started screaming and threatening her. He told her that if she double-crossed him, she would pay for it the rest of her life. VG posted a vlog about Simon, where you can hear these conversations if you'd like to. I'll post a link in the show description. Both of these women knew that there were many more women who Simon swindled and never came forward. Many women who were too ashamed to admit that they fell for his lies and tricks. The estimated amount of money that Simon has conned from people in his lifetime has been estimated to be as high as 10 million U.S. dollars. Let me tell you a little bit more about the real Simon Leviev, a.k.a. Shimon Hayut. The modest apartment where he grew up in Israel is light years away from the private jets, racing cars, and luxury hotels in which he had been spending his time in most recent years. By design, he renamed himself the Prince of Diamonds to make his fraud more believable. He built his team designed to build trust with his victims, and by the age of 28 he was living a hedonistic life, pretending to be a millionaire. Even in his youth he was manipulative. He grew up in the predominantly ultra-Orthodox city of Bnei Brak in central Israel. His father was a rabbi. Shimon began his acts of fraud around age 20. He began by stealing checks from a family that he babysat for. 
He then abandoned the child in the stairwell when he found out that the child's mother was at the police station filing a complaint about the theft of her money. He also stole checks from the family of a businessman who lived near his home. Scheiman worked for him as a handyman. He used that stolen money to buy a Porsche and to take flying lessons in Haifa. Although he never completed the flight course, he often presented himself as a pilot. A classmate that was in the piloting course with Scheiman said that he was a victim too. He had been persuaded to invest in a deal to import clothing that never came to fruition. The money the classmate invested was never seen again. Simon's crimes would catch up with him in Israel, so he fled there and headed to Finland with a forged passport. After frauding several women there, being caught and going to jail for two years, he was brought back to Israel to face his original fraud offenses. An updated indictment was filed against him in 2017, but he was released on bail, which had been paid by his brother and a friend. He ran once again using a false identity. These mild punishments didn't stop him or even slow him down. In reality, his acts of fraud multiplied over the following years, aimed mostly at young women. At the end of June 2019, Simon was arrested by the Greek police following a joint operation between Interpol and Israeli police. Israeli authorities requested his extradition to his home country where he would finally be punished for the charges of theft, forgery, and fraud dating back to 2011. In October 2019, he was taken to Israel and in December he was convicted for theft and fraud. Simon made statements about the allegations against him, saying they were just stories and that the women were gold diggers who used him. He further claimed that if he had taken money from women, the amounts he took wouldn't have been enough to finance the luxuries he enjoyed, which included various flights to the U.S. True to his nature, Simon's cons haven't stopped. Simon told staff at a vaccination center that he was an essential medical worker, and that way he could get his vaccine before he normally would have been able to. He posted a video about it to social media. When the health center found out about what he had done, they contacted the media. Simon told them that he was at risk from the virus due to a medical condition. The local news media said this wasn't true either. Simon then threatened to sue the medical center, saying he wasn't someone who waited in lines. He said, I will not sit and wait three to four hours. I am not someone who waits and no one can say a word about it. He rejected the claims that he pretended to be a medic, instead saying, I'm a businessman, I have money, I can buy anyone or anything that I want. When asked if he had paid to be vaccinated, he responded, let's say yes, I had an appointment, perhaps there was a bug in the computer. This is a third world country after all. If you're wondering why he was free to go get his vaccinations, well, it's because he only served five months of his 15-month sentence in Israel. He was released early as part of a program aimed at reducing the prison population amid fears of coronavirus spreading among inmates. This infuriates the many women who have been scammed. One woman who wanted her identity to stay hidden told media that he conned her out of $45,000. She was a single mom to a daughter and gave him all the savings she had. She thought it was a disgrace that he was released from prison and went on to say that she hoped he got the coronavirus and died so he couldn't hurt anyone else.
I don't think she likes him. Some people call these women gold diggers because they dated Simon. They say all the women wanted was his money, but I disagree. These women willingly gave him money. Some gave their entire life savings with the intention of helping him. Now many of these women are lined up with lawsuits to file against Shimon Hayut. They aren't alone. Private investigators and Interpol are waiting for him to leave Israel so they can arrest him. And Lev Leviath, the real king of diamonds, has filed a complaint against Simon for falsely presenting himself as Lev's son. What I think will bother Simon more than anything is the fact that Netflix is releasing a documentary about him in February. His face will be splashed all over the world for everyone to recognize, and he won't get a cent. I hope you enjoyed today's case. Thank you so much for listening. It takes a lot of time and effort to prepare, produce, and release an episode, and it means so much to me to get feedback from you. So if you enjoyed today's case, please take a moment to give it a good rating and review, or tell a friend about it. If you are feeling generous, you can even sponsor the show. The links to do so are also in the show description. Until next time, I'd like to wish you all fair winds and following seas.